The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Welcome to this episode of Pit Life Barbecue. Gather around the pit with your hosts, Johnny Mags and Greg the Barbecue Broker DiGiorgio. Let's talk barbecue. What's up, everybody? Coming to you live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe in Salem, New Hampshire. It's the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast, where we talk everything barbecue and a lot of other topics that you normally talk around the pit. As always, I'm joined by the barbecue broker. Bueller. Uh-oh. Bueller. Anybody? Uh-oh. Broker. Hello. Broker. Wait. Oh, what was that? Look the other way. Hi. How'd you two get in my room? We're magic. 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 See well, Greg, as we all know from last week, is off today. He has a has a catering gig all, all basically all week. So, so I was going to roll this solo until these two decided they wanted to jump in. So I, they better have some questions because I ain't paying for lack of uh, you know lack of work here. Oh yeah, or lack of audience. Oh, I got plenty of audience. Mm. Yeah, we've got my- Make sure they don't go away. Okay. So, what are you guys up to? Uh, well, who are you? I am Harley, and I am JJ. Harley and JJ. See, obviously, my two kids. <laughs> At least we think. We think. Maybe. No, they're mine. They're mine. I don't know if they're your mother's or not, but they're definitely mine. You can't even make like they're the mailman jokes because you. I you am the mailman. The mailman. This is, I mean, they. Oh, they're the mailman's <laughs> kid. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> They don't get it, it's fine. So do you guys have questions? Yes. Oh, yeah, we're loaded. Can you come up with questions? Um, yeah. What are we going to be talking about? I feel uh, like barbecue. Barbecue might be a good topic. Yeah. Yep. It's a good call. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, Obviously, there, there are loads of uh, information. Yeah, the energy is just, whew. I know, huh? I don't know how Greg will compete when he comes Jeez. Yeah. Well, anyway, today's show is brought to you by... Uncle Steve Shakes. Have you ever stopped and wondered why your neighbor has a line of people waiting to get into, into their backyard? Yes. Have you been wondering why your friends aren't coming over when you say you're cooking some barbecue? There's a simple answer to that. What? Simple yeah. answer to both those <laughs> questions. Your neighbor is using Uncle Steve Shake and you are not, which means one thing. You better get yourself matter, girl. Now, now, Uncle Steve's shake is handmade using only the finest ingredients, and it comes in ten, counted ten, amazing flavors, including the competition line in the new Lucky Shake. I say we're up to like twelve. There's twelve. Wow, twelve. I gotta update that. Gotta update. Yeah, we got we got the dessert shake and the Lucky Shake, which makes twelve. If you eat it. Uncle Steve has a shake for it. If you have shake questions, Uncle Steve has fantastic customer service to talk you through any of your shake needs. It's time to take your backyard barbecue to the next level with Uncle Steve's shake. Shake some on everything. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we're also brought to you by Two Guys Smoke Shop and TwoGuysCigars.com. Whether we were barbecuing or not, we always keep the smoke rolling. Thanks to our friends at twoguyscigars.com. Today, we are smoking... Uh, we're family-friendly today. Family-friendly today. We with got the, the kids on. But if we were, smoking. we would be smoking the uh, Padron oh. Anniversary Series 1926 Number 2. 
That's you like that. That's, I do. That's, that's my favorite. In case anyone's looking for Christmas presents for yours truly to send. Uh, thanks to our friends at twoguyscigars.com. We get to smoke some of the best cigars in the world, and so can you. Just visit twoguyscigars.com for your perfect barbecue companion. That's the number two guyscigars.com. And we are also brought to you by Backline Smokers. Ryan Newland. Ryan Newland out of Austin, Texas. Man, I'm telling you, Ryan is building some of the best pits, oh, yeah. grills, multi tools, anything. He should have seen what he just came up with last weekend. He sent me a picture. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Grill on one side, flat top on the other, spot in the middle where you can burn your coals off, oh. doors on either end so you can shovel them in, clean them out easy, just because he needed to come up with something. I swear to God, now I need one of those too. I want one. But, yeah. You're genius. Ryan builds Perfect, unbelievable, one-off pits from the ground up. If you can think it, he can build it. He takes every little detail of the conversations he has with you during the building process, and he incorporates them to make that particular pit yours. Not anybody else's. Not mine. Not Harley's. Not Steve's. Nope. We'll get to Steve's. Not yours, Chrissy. Nope. Yours. That's it. The only one of it. So check them out at Backline Smokers and Backline Fabrication out of Austin, Texas. So speaking of Austin, Texas, we're going to stay in Austin, Texas with our guest today. I'm so excited today to talk to him. We, uh, we've been trying to, we got this rolling for a while. And we were able to reschedule, and yeah. we're ready to rock. Our conversation we had on the phone before was incredible. And uh, let's, let's get right down to it. Yeah. Greg, the brass tax of the day. The brass tax. Ladies and gentlemen, coming out of Colleen, Texas, from Rossler's Blue Cord Barbecue, the one and only Stephen Rossler. Steve, what's up, brother? Hey, how y'all doing? Good, brother. How's it going today? It, it's good. It's good. Um, my uh, my wife and daughters. We all went up to uh, uh, Waco to go to the zoo earlier. Oh, nice! So, you know the kids. The kids are out of school, so it's it's been a good day. It's been a really good day. Perfect. Perfect. Now, uh, well, we're right off the bat, what uh, what is sitting behind you there? So this is uh, my Moberg. It's uh, the Grunt. Um, let me see. Yeah, there you go. You can see yeah. that little little sign behind me, um, as well as uh, we have the backline hand grenade, uh, which is a um, a reverse uh, Santa Maria grill that Ryan came up with. Yeah, uh, where everything is underneath instead of up top, um, and it's all on a gearing mechanism, chains and all that stuff, chains and sprockets. So you know, Ryan, like you said earlier, Ryan's mind just is 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 wild so oh he he's a yeah he's it's the jekyll and hyde of medical medical (laughs) metal fabrication exactly exactly he goes too fast even for himself but man yeah he's building (laughs) uh, he's coming up with some stuff man it's it is incredible so to start this all off first and foremost sir thank you for your service to our country. Yeah. 20 years, six months in the U.S. Army. 
And um, hats off, salute, everything to you. You know, you uh, you were willing to do it all for this country. And from me to you, thank you. Thank you. That means that means the world to me. So how we always started off is who is Stephen Rossler? What is Rossler's Blue Cord Barbecue? How did that start? And how, more importantly, how did you start your journey in barbecue and then into, into uh, military service? So <clears throat> who exactly I am, uh, you know, I'm my father's son. Uh, my dad, who uh, uh, my mom and dad who adopted me, um, I was very blessed um, to, to take on my dad's name, which was Stephen Wayne Rossler. Um, and so, um, you know, obviously we had to reschedule because of his passing. Um, and that's, that's been kind of, that's been kind of rough on me um, because who I am is, is, is because of my dad. Like that's, I, I took on all my dad's traits though. I was not even his blood, uh, blood son, you know? And um, he, uh, he taught me, he taught me to, to never judge a book by its cover, uh, meaning judge people uh, by the, the, the color of their skin, by the uh, language they speak, or, or just the difference in, in people. Because uh, if, you, if you saw a picture of my parents and then you see, obviously see me, yeah. um, I, I'm of Hispanic descent. So um, I have no idea about my background. I have, I, I mean, you know, they said that I was a quarter Hispanic and three quarters white. And I always tell my dad, I was like, yeah, I think they might have that backwards. It was pretty dark. <laughs> so, but, you know, growing up in uh, West Texas, um, I actually grew up in Midland, Texas. Um, you know, I, I it's, it's kind of stereotypical out there where you have, you know, you have, it, it's predominantly, um, you know, the, the blue collar, uh, white, you know, white people, Hispanics. Uh, I mean, it's made up of a, a multicultural people. Um, but you know, you have a lot of oil field out there. And for me, I never really kind of fit into one particular mold. I, I kind of just, I was like a chameleon and blended in with everybody because of how my dad raised me and my, and my mom too. Um, I just never saw color, race, gender, you know, none of that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's just who I am. I, I got along with everybody. I was a, I was a football player track, you know, I ran track, all that. And I, I got along with everybody, man. So, yeah. Um, and, and basically leading into my military service, you know, my whole life, you know, school was cool, whatever, you know, but it's, uh, when I graduated high school, I knew like, yes, I'm going to go to community college, but I, I already knew like it wasn't going to work out. Like I knew, um, and I just, I should have probably saved my parents some money and, and just joined the military right <laughs> off the bat. So, uh, but you know, that's how it goes. But, um, yeah, I went to college or I was enrolled in college for two semesters and my parents got my grades or lack thereof and said, Hey, you're off the gravy train. You better figure it out. So, um, I joined the army and, and never really looked back. So <laughs> how did you get into barbecue? So, um, my dad at an early age, um, he, he kind of got me into barbecue, not kind of, he, he got me in a barbecue every Sunday. Um, you know, I know it's kind of a tradition, no matter, uh, where you come from, you know, a lot of the times Sunday dinners are, 
are a, a blessing to most people. And uh, for our family, it was always, um, you know, we'd probably, we would smoke chicken. Um, and we had one of those um, uh, Brickman, um, basically it's a, uh, a barrel smoker with the, the dome on top. Yep, yep. And, my, yep, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So Yeah, like the, uh, the Brinkman's was, version of the Weber Smoky Mountain there, the, it, the bullet exactly, smoker. Yeah, exactly. And it was cool because... I knew every Sunday we were going to have smoked chicken and, and it was always lemon pepper chicken and you think you get tired of it, but I just, something about it, like something about smoking, you know, like the, the, with, uh, with Oak, um, we'd use, um, hickory and mesquite, you know, kind of a mixture. Um, but in the middle there's that water pan and my dad would stick three quarters of a, uh, three quarters of that, with beer and then a quarter of it with water and he would stick potatoes and corn in there. Oh. And those potatoes were probably the best. Potatoes, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it, it was nothing to get you drunk because it was like Olympia beer, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's like the worst beer ever, <laughs> but it's just the flavor. And then all the drippings from the chicken. Uh, but I just, uh, I, as, as early age as I can remember, that's, you know, my dad is what got me into barbecue and I've always loved, barbecue i just love grilling i love barbecue i just love it all so nice nice yeah what do you got there bud what was your job in the military were you like a soldier or somebody that's good yeah that's actually a good Good question question. because um i joined the army so when you join the army you're known as a soldier um and then like say if you're a marine uh if you join the marines you're a marine um, if you join the Navy, then, um, you know, you're seamen or, or whatever else, uh, as the ranks go up, uh, air force, you know, whatever their job is. But for us in the army, no matter what we do, we're always a soldier. Um, uh, but my job in the army, um, hence the name of my, my smoker, I was a grunt. I was an infantryman. So, uh, most of my duty stations were all light infantry, which means you have to carry everything on your back. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, my, my feet and my body have a lot of miles on, on it. So <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> oh, there you go. We got this, got the salute. I like it. I like it. There you go. Atta boy, JJ. <laughs> so, and then actually that's what ties blue cord into it. Okay. That's what uh, I was going to ask. Infantry, what? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Rossler's being my name, um, I wanted that. No matter what, like we, we started Rossler's Blue Court Barbecue in 2016. So uh, obviously we're 2021. My dad just passed. So, you know, it, it was it was nothing like that. It was just I wanted to carry on the name of Rossler's uh, in 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 our barbecue. And the Blue Court um, stands for the infantry Blue Court that, that symbolizes us differently from all other jobs in the Army. So we have. A blue cord, and then um, up here we have cross rifles and U.S. Army, our U.S. And around them are blue discs uh, that go that go underneath that that symbolizes that you are an infantryman. So okay. that's where uh, blue cord came into it. So yeah, awesome, awesome. See, that, yeah, that's man. one thing we didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. so twenty years, six months of service now. Were you, how long were you stateside or how long were you deployed? What were you, um, 
what were you your deployments? Yeah, so basically, um, you know, when I joined, I, I actually I actually wanted to be a cook uh, because I I like to cook so much. So here I am saying, hey, um, you know, I came in and I was like, hey, I want to be a cook. And they were like, oh, um, yeah, you, you scored high enough. You could definitely do that. Or you can go to Hawaii and be a grunt. Well, I didn't know what a grunt meant. So at the time, I was like, I live in West Texas that there's no water around. <laughs> uh, yes, sign me up for Hawaii. So um, I spent three years in Hawaii. Um, and I basically, from the time I joined, to um to the time i got to hawaii you know i was in i was in training from basically august of 2000 till uh january of 2001 and then i got to hawaii in february and along with training and everything else um i believe it was early no it was it was uh it was mid august we left hawaii and got to go train with uh the australian um, the Australian army. And we were actually there when September 11th happened. So when the time we left and how, you know, it was crazy, you could come in and out of base till September 11th happened. It was wild because when we came back, I mean, everything was concertina wired. There was gate guards. Um, I mean, it was, it was nuts. Like it was a totally different, um, totally different world, totally different, everything for us. Um, so that happened. And then I stayed, uh, a couple more years in Hawaii. Um, and in 2003 left Hawaii, came to Fort hood where it's here, here, just, uh, five minutes away from us behind me, um, came to Fort hood, Texas. It's, uh, about an hour away from Austin, North of Austin. And, uh, was, I was here for a week, uh, and went straight to Iraq. So, I was, I wasn't the initial invasion, but I met up with a lot of the guys that were in the initial invasion, um, and then spent, you know, spent time in Iraq. Um, so yeah, so from that point came back, um, after what, I think it was nine or 10 months and, uh, (laughs) they, uh, they, they hit me with, Hey, you get to be an army recruiter. And I'm like, I didn't sign up to be an army recruiter. And they're like, well. You know, the infantry, the way that they look at our branch and, and our leadership is if, if they give us a mission, um, you know, the infantry will complete the mission. They will do anything, um, you know, in their power to, to complete the mission. So, um, so I had to load up and head to South Carolina for uh, recruiting school. And from that point, um, they said, you're going to a small town called San Luis Obispo, California. And they call it SLO, S-L-O, uh, for San Luis Obispo. So I spent uh, four years out there, and I almost got out uh, of the Army and just stayed there because that was uh, it was pretty wild out there. It was pretty cool. Really, really cool town. Um, very cool people. Uh, so, yeah, so that was that was amazing. Um I had, uh, at that point, I, I still wasn't done with the army and, um, y'all can stop me at any time. I'm just, you know, 20 years is a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, you're doing but, fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but from that point, um, they sent me back to South Carolina 
um, because after the, after that four years was done, I had a little bit of time left because I actually was going to transition out of the army. Um, and they were like, well, you're done with recruiting. So we're going to send you to South Carolina to be a grenade range NCO. That was, that was horrible because these are brand new soldiers learning how to throw hand grenades. Now, basic training is six weeks long. And normally we got them at five weeks. Well, this is during the surge. So some of the soldiers we got like four or five days into their basic training. So they didn't have any kind of discipline. They didn't have, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty wild. It was really, really wild. So, uh, welcome. Here's a grenade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) A live hand grenade, you know? So, um, but you know, it, it, it worked out. And actually I was around a bunch of, you know, cause when I went recruiting, I wasn't about, I wasn't around a bunch of infantrymen. I was, you know, there was different jobs in the army that collectively make our recruiting station. So when I went to South Carolina to be the grenade range NCO, um, I was around a bunch of infantrymen and got my motivation back to stay in the army. Um, so from that point, I went to, uh, to Fort Bliss, uh, there in uh, El Paso, Texas, and spent, um, what, three and a half, four years there. And that's when I deployed to Afghanistan. That was, um, my Afghanistan deployment. And that was, uh, that was my roughest deployment, um, yeah. by far. I lost, uh, I lost four good men there. Um, and, uh, it, it affected me a lot. It really did, um, as a person and, and as, um, basically who I am for the rest of my life, it, it really did. Um, and then from yeah. that point, um, I got orders to be an instructor, uh, for a leadership school. So then came back to Fort hood and I uh, was here instructing, uh, basically junior leaders to become, uh, you know, NCOs or what have you, uh, which is, uh, like sergeants. I taught, you know, we we're teaching them how to become sergeants. Um, and then, uh, I, I kind of got into it with, uh, my higher ups and, uh, one of my higher ups, it was all, it was all, uh, basically sergeants at this, um, at, you know, at this leadership school. And it was a female that was at like the top level, uh, that you can make it's an E nine and her and I just didn't see eye to eye. And she got me on orders for Fort drum, uh, there in New York. And I called every officer that I ever knew, like most of my uh, Fulberg colonels that were now generals, uh, anybody and everybody I called to get me off of orders to Fort Drum because I was like, I have three years left in the military. I'm not going to Fort Drum, New York. <laughs> you know, it's just like not doing it. Um, so I got off of orders from there and uh, they said, go find a job uh, on Fort Hood. And what that basically means is, you know, if there's an infantry unit that will take you in or if they have something lined up already basically taking care of you, um, then, you know, that's where you're going to go. Well, I had the uh, Fort Hood Warrior Transition Unit um, already looking at me to come over and work with them. And so basically what that was is soldiers that were being, you know, that were injured in combat Mm -hmm. or had like cancer or were injured, like, uh, doing training 
or whatever the case, they were uh, cultivated into this this unit where there was um, three companies. One company was an intake company. Two companies were um, soldiers that basically were on Fort Hood um, or, or like, you know, from the Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana background, but they, they may be like higher risk or whatever the case may be where they can't go back home. Like they're national guard or reservists. So they had to stay at Fort hood. And then you had my company, which was the community care, uh, unit. And, uh, we basically, all of our soldiers lived, you know, all across Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, and basically, um, had cancer. I mean, most of our soldiers were, um, you know, 20, 21 year olds, 20, 22, 23 year olds, um, that had, um, some kind of disease that ultimately, um, they passed from. So it was, it was pretty rough. That, that was, uh, you know, I had a lot of different jobs throughout the army, but my Afghanistan tour and my last three years in the army was, uh, it was very challenging. So, yeah. Now, in the once your no, was it once your career was over, or still during the when? Um, how do you? Oh, how would I? How do you put this? Um, I want to say awarded isn't the right word. Well, presented with the uh, the bronze star with valor. So. Um- that was uh, that was basically uh, December third of two thousand eleven, when uh, when my platoon sergeant hit an IED. Uh, we were out on a, a route clearing mission there uh, in Afghanistan, and where we were in Afghanistan, we were uh, we were in Wardak. So, um, if you you heard in two thousand eleven, I believe it was what August August September timeframe when um the the navy seals were shot down yeah that's that was rao um was that area and we fought daily so um we were on a route clearance basically uh clearing a route um that went from our cop or our, our small um, operating base to uh gosney the gates of gosney and basically that was like the biggest town um just uh you know just south of us that we were clearing um, and so normal day, laughing, joking, um, you know, had detected a couple IDs, took them out. Um, we had EOD with us and we had, uh, a seven, a seven vehicle, uh, convoy and we were headed back to, to our cop, um, you know, taking EOD back. And I was in the lead truck and we had, you know, obviously all the other trucks. Well, the last truck was my, uh, platoon sergeant's truck. And for whatever reason, the, um, uh, the guy, the, the, the trigger man, he fell asleep or, or whatever the heck happened. But, um, I guess it just wasn't my time. I think they were trying to hit me first. So basically they would cause, um, you know, cause an, a, a pile up and then they were going to ambush us. And, um, for whatever reason, you know, he, it just wasn't my time. Wasn't everybody else's time until it was the last truck. And so, um, that happened truck, um, you know, flipped over basically on its side and, uh, was in a bad way because the front 
passenger tire, that's the truck commander. Um, the truck commander always sat in the front passenger seat. Um, he's the one that tells the driver what to do, uh, the gunner and everyone else in the back. And so um, it was uh, it was actually on the driver's side, um, but the tire was uh, on the passenger side was burning. And so we were able to flip the vehicle over uh, once we, we, we were able to evacuate uh, three people, uh, three soldiers. Uh, one was, uh, was uh, the vehicle's gunner, which was my soldier. Uh, the interpreter, um, the medic, uh, the medic um, uh, specialist, uh, Doc Acosta, he was our medic. Um, he was he was paralyzed from the neck down. And uh, my soldier, who was the acting gunner for that truck, um, you know, he had uh, a very low pulse. Um, so, you know, here is a burning vehicle. We're trying to get everybody out. Um, and, and, yeah, so... Um, yeah, just a tough time, you know. Yeah. We we got it, we got it flipped over, and we just uh, we couldn't get you know my other soldier out, which was the vehicle's driver, uh, or yeah, the you know the the driver, and then my my initial boss because the way that uh, an infantry platoon works is you have your PL and your platoon sergeant, and then next in line, um, if the platoon sergeant's out, is this uh, weapon squad leader. And at the time I was the weapon squad leader. And so um, there was, you know, after us going in the vehicle, the vehicle was caught on fire, black smoke. There was ammunition going off. There was mortar rounds going off um, after constantly doing going in and out. Um, I just I couldn't get them. You know, it's too much black smoke. And um, and, yeah, it just uh, we had to we had to, uh, you know, kind of let it burn down and put out the fire and then from that point we were able to, to evacuate them and then you know obviously they had passed yeah but uh yeah that was that was uh and, and we were taking fire you know we had already we had already set up a perimeter um and, and you know we were taking a little bit of small arms fire uh during all this but yeah um it's rough it's rough it's rough to talk about um but you know i've i've done a lot of uh a lot of therapy and what have you. And a lot of the times it's good to talk about it because it helps you uh, to not only cope with it, but it helps you to realize, you know, um, a lot of details maybe that you have forgotten about or what have you. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, one thing I've, I've heard a lot of um, military guys say when uh, they get into barbecue after the service is that the barbecue becomes, um, like you said, therapeutic to them of, you know, the, all the time that goes into it, just sitting there and going through your steps to make the perfect, whatever you're cooking at that time. You right. know, do, do you, do you find that smoking meat and everything barbecue in, in general helps that little bit of uh, therapeutic? 100%, 100%. Um, you know, when I first started barbecuing, as far as Rossler's Blue Court Barbecue, you know, I've been barbecuing my whole life, but um, when I first started it, I thought I could do it kind of like how, you know, you're sitting around the backyard, you're drinking, you know, um, but I slowly realized, not slowly, I quickly realized that you want a good brisket to come out good um, or perfect or whatever. Uh, yeah, you can't be 
uh, a drunk and inebriated into that cook. Yeah. Because you may fall asleep. You know, you may, you know. Guilty <laughs> as <mean>. charged. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because, you know, when you and I first talked, you know, I, I, I was already suspecting that's probably exactly, you know, uh, the way it goes. But, you know, it just, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, it is therapeutic. There's something about, um, when it's all like you're all alone, um, cause you know, usually I start my cook at between like four and five in the morning and then, you know, I go all day. Um, I'm pulling them roughly, you know, five, six o'clock in the evening, uh, setting them in my warmer and then we're serving the next day. So with that, um, yeah, it is, it is, it has, you have a lot of time to think, you have a lot of time to, to, uh, reflect, um, and just, and just like basically refine yourself, you know, you, your, your, your mind just is, is keeps going. And, um, you know, if you have, you, you can basically solve the world's problems in your own head. You know yep. what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, it's cool. It's All really too cool, well. So. Yeah. You know, the brain is constantly going all day for this. Well, I got to do this, got to do right. this. Once right. you get, once you get your meats on, or, or even not even once you get your meats on, when you start the process, you know, right. trimming, and then you know, mm-hmm. your if you if you use binders, if you don't, whatever you whatever your the right. flavor profile you're looking for for that particular cook, you know, you're going through all your stuff and you're getting it. You know, you you're just getting in that zone in that focus. Right. And it's just like, okay, the rest of it, the rest, the rest of it's gone. You, you got the blinders on, you know, like you're like a thoroughbred racehorse. You got the blinders exactly. on either side, and that all you can see is what the task you got in front of you. And like you said, that goes all night long. You know, I, you know me, I make notes. Okay, I spritz that eleven seventeen p.m. Right. Okay, right. so I'll go now forty five minutes. I'll check it, and or an hour, and but but yeah, you, you but like you said, you, you you do a ton of thinking. You just get in there and you you find yourself just calm exactly. from the whole process. Now, one thing you had said before. So I, I'm I'm assuming once you joined the military, the um, you know, the barbecue kind of stopped, right? Uh, I mean, it did. I mean, we uh, you know, when I was in Hawaii, I bought a little Weber, like the little, you know, baby Weber. Um, and of course, most of the time I was cooking, you know, I'm, I, we're at the beach or we're at a buddy's house or park or yeah. whatever. And usually, you know, we just leave it there and then buy something, you know, buy another one later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it came and came and gone, it came and went. Um, but as far as the constant every day, um, didn't get to a whole lot just because, um, you know, it's whether it be deployments or, um, or rotations or field rotations, you know, is um, it was crazy, but, uh, definitely the different places I went to, I got to try a lot of good and bad barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So do you, do you get, like I said, when we had first talk, you were telling me about building pits while here and there and. You know, right? Was it the old the old oil drum slicing them in half and yeah, you know, oh, chopping, yeah, yeah. chopping, so, cut uh, them for the for yeah, the surface? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
So basically what happened, uh, in fact, I just talked to him the other day, uh, my company commander, he's the commander that's uh, in charge of all of us. Um, you know, it's, you know, it can vary between how many people uh, you normally have in a company, but, um, you know, you're looking at 150-ish or so, maybe maybe less, maybe more, but um, he uh, he said there was no one else that could have taken that platoon um, after, you know, y'all lost your guys. There's no one else that could have kept that platoon together. And that always stuck with me because when our guys did get, um, you know, the, they, they did die, you know, um, I, I made it a point that I said, you know, we're not going to let this, uh, basically disband any of us we're going to come together and 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 be stronger you know this is going to be um be something so basically what i did was is every platoon had their own like little sectioned off point um and then we had barricades around the whole uh the whole base uh, that we're at it i mean it's like a little little base it's not like a a fob that you hear about where there's you know, movie theaters and, and all this and that, like candy and yeah, yeah. and stuff. No, it, there was none of that there. Um, but for us, um, I had them, um, we already had a layer around where we were at, uh, of a, uh, what are those called? Hesco's. And basically you fill them up with dirt and they're, they have like a, it's not cardboard, but it's like a, like a, almost like a canvas material that the, and then it's got the, um, cow paneling, and it keeps the dirt in there. So it's, it's a protective labor layer to, to keep you from bullets or whatever. So I had, um, the, the Afghanistan, um, uh, workers that we had, I had them stack another layer on top. So I made our own like little, you could call it a fortress. Um, and so I did that. I, um, I had this awesome, like gazebo thing made. that was like, they, um, these people were coming, they, there was a, a unit, they were engineers that came in and they needed, um, they, they were starting to patch up all of these IED holes with concrete. Well, they were like, Hey, we need to like lay some concrete down to see if it's mixed right. And I was like, you know what? I have just the place for that. And so me and a couple of buddies, we framed out, um, because I, I did, you know, I, I did some stuff in, in high school where I framed stuff for, for concrete and all that. And we framed out this little pad and they came in and laid the concrete and then they left this big hole in the middle. Like I, we framed it off where it was a, a big square where we could put it, build a fire in the, in the middle of it. So did that. And then I told our guys go down to this other area on, on base. They have a grill down there. Take it. Like, don't say nothing. Don't like black ops type mission. Go take this grill. And so, um, my guys took both of the krills when I told them only to take one, but you know, it, it, all is fair in love and war, you know? So, uh, we got them, we got those. And then, uh, basically we found out what the cooks liked that worked. I mean, cause like where we were at, we were only, um, I don't know, like 20 yards away from where our defect was, which was, a tent, you know, this big tent. And then they, um, wherever they, they cook the food at 
was this like it's called an MKT, but basically it's a it's a kitchen on wheels. And so we would talk with them and say, hey, we know you like cigarettes. We know you like this, this and this. We'll get this for you. Um, so uh, hold on one second. Um, hopefully I'm back with you. Yeah, okay, we're back. Go. We're sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So wait, sorry. Somebody was trying to call me. Um, so that all happened. Um, you know, we, we found out what kind of, uh, you know, whatever, whatever kind of contraband they wanted, we would find it or get it to them. And all of a sudden we were getting Coke, Dr. Pepper. Uh, we were getting steaks. We were getting lobster, all this stuff that they had in these freezers and like, uh, these connexes, um, that were like, why are you not cooking any of this? <laughs> like, eh, you know, we really, you know, we didn't know if you guys would really like, we're like, dude, we're a bunch of grunts. <laughs> of course, everyone on the base would love this stuff. We're like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> where they're like, just don't say anything to anybody. And we're like, all right, cool. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah. You know? And so we had two guys, I kid you not, two guys that were classically trained chefs that were infantrymen. I mean, these guys like, like they could do anything uh, with food and they decided to join the army and be an, a grunt. You know, you're like, dude, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> so um, a lot of the time they would say, Hey, Sergeant, like, you know, um, I know you can only have a certain amount of people go out on mission. Um, you know, you can leave us back or we would leave one back and then, um, and then take the other one. And then the other one would do like, they were kind of on a rotation. And so we had like no BS spaghetti sauce made with like, um, cause we'd get, you know, we'd get produce down at the, the market. I mean, obviously it wasn't, uh, you know, USDA approved or anything <laughs> like that, but you know, Hey, it worked, but they were cutting. I mean, it was like we were in prison or something. They were cutting, you know, garlic with, uh, razor, with blades. razor blades. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like awesome, man. I mean, it was so cool. Oh, uh, awesome. we had lobster steak, uh, burgers. I mean, and, and, and ultimately what ended up happening is we were all so close, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of dwindles down when you leave, um, when you leave a deployment, cause everybody now has to deal with everything that happened on the deployment. But at the same time, you know, it is what it is. So, but during that deployment, I didn't let anybody else, like we did, we, we all like were glue. We were family. You nice. Know? So, nice. JJ, you got a question. Yes. What are some of your best things to cook? So um, I, I am very partial with our brisket. Um, it's taking, uh, you know, my dad and I, we really didn't cook a whole lot of brisket. Um, but throughout the years, um, not so much Aaron Franklin's book uh, or any of that, um, but just a lot of the different people that I've, I've been around, uh, Brett, you know, Brett from Brett's backyard barbecue, uh, Phil Hilberg, uh, Russell Ragel, uh, John Brotherton, yep. uh, 1775, you know, Brad and all them. Like it, there's so many people that I'm constantly around that, you know, I may pick up something here and there, but like you taste these, um, you know, like, like truth. If you ever go to truth barbecue, you, you just taste this brisket and you're like, man, it's, it's, it's magical. And all these other places, it's the same way. It's, it's just this magical. And it's like, how can I make mine the same way? So 
you know, after constantly like learning this or that, basically, you know, writing notes, like what you're talking about, um, you know, I finally perfected it that most of the people that have our barbecue, you know, every time we do caterings, because that's how we started, you know, when you take a, a brisket and you put it in the warmer, everything's straight, you know, but once you take it out of that warmer and you put it in a Cambro, you know, it, the, you know, the, the dynamic of that brisket changes, you know what I mean? Like it's not at a constant temperature. It, the, the temperature may go up a little bit. It may go down a little bit depending on, uh, you know, what the, what the temperature is outside. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but Ryan and I and my daughters, we, um, we were messing around with some seasonings one time and they're all from Fiesta, Fiesta seasonings there in San Antonio. Um, and we call it fairy dust. And it's a really cool, it's a really cool uh, seasoning that we came up with. Um, and it goes well on a lot of different things. It goes really well on prime rib and it goes really well on pork. And so we put it on our pork tomahawks that we do. And i tell you what, I will put a pork tomahawk that I make up against anyone. I mean, it is just, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So, yeah. Nice. So that's, those are two things I, you know, um, and, you know, I, steaks. I, I really like to cook a steak. I, I like to cook it in a frying pan. I like to cook it on, on uh, caveman style. I like to, you know, there's so many different ways. I like to do them all. I just, you know. But those are, I would say, the three things I, I enjoy cooking. Awesome, Steve. I, I think we got one more for you. For your, <laughs> for your catering, are you set up every week? So <clears throat> catering-wise, uh, we are pretty busy uh, weekly. Um, and then we have pop-ups. Um, and, and I guess they're not going to be called pop-ups anymore. Uh, every Thursday and Friday, we set up in front of a liquor store called Specs, uh, very big in Texas. I think that's a, the only place that they are is in Texas. Uh, but it's here in Colleen, and we set up outside of Specs and sell barbecue every Thursdays and Fridays. So lots of uh, lots of really cool stuff that we do catering wise throughout the week. Uh, and then Thursday and Friday, we're we're in front of people and um, you know selling selling plates, awesome. meat. Awesome, brother. Um, so, if you know, if anyone is, you know, obviously, if anybody's in the Texas area, of course, the hell, of course, they, uh, <laughs> the hell am I talking about? Um, what are your social media so everyone can find you to find out some of the other possible events you might have going on, other than other than yeah. with uh, with specs? So on Instagram, it's uh, Rosslers underscore Blue underscore uh, Accord underscore BBQ. Um, and then Facebook, it's uh, at Rossler's Blue Cord BBQ. Um, and then obviously our website, uh, Rossler's Blue Cord um, And so, yeah, it's just uh, Instagram's the best to, to monitor what we're doing, constantly doing stuff. And um, yeah, that's where we, where we keep our social media going. Awesome, brother. Steve, thank you so much. You know, we always sit around here and, you know, shoot the shit, joke about, bust balls. But, you know, whenever, right. you know, things come up, you know, we always, you know, we always thank our veterans, thank our uh, police, thank our firefighters, EMTs, all the first responders. And, you know, we always say, you know, it's, it's guys like you who allow us to do, you know, the fuckery we do. Yeah. You know, you know, you put it on the line, 
to keep the free, keep our to keep our freedom too, so we can fire up the grill every weekend or set up our own little pop up or you know do a barbecue talk show. So you know, my hats off to you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing, uh, you know, your military story. Uh, we, you know, we we hear a lot of different things, but we never really hear the full story of, you know, anybody's you know career and the stuff they've been through in the military. So, you know, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate this. Thank thank you all for having me on. It's uh, it, it is therapeutic talking about it as well. So yeah, thank you all. All right, brother. Hang on one second. We're just going to roll this out, and uh, we'll jump back in with you for just a second after. Awesome, Chrissy. All right. Your co-hosts. Yeah, not bad, huh? Good questioning. Yeah. You guys are pro. They are. I don't know if we need Greg back. Yeah, we'll see. We'll flip a coin. Ah. We'll flip a coin. What do we got going on next week? Next week, we have Al Infante of Magnus Chef Gloves. If you guys need some barbecue gloves to, um, uh, you know, move your meats around, go right into your hot coals, you need these Magna Chef gloves. Al's a firefighter in Miami. So he knows knows what the hell he's playing with. He he plays with fire on an everyday basis. So these, these gloves are legit. They were down with the boys down at the Royal... And they, you know, showing the gloves off and selling them left and right. And he literally had this, you know, bowling ball of lit charcoal, lump charcoal in his hand. And he was just sitting there with it, talking to everybody, not even flinching. His hand was getting warm, but it wasn't getting burnt. So we'll have Al on next week to talk about those. So tune in for that. That's it for this week, folks. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. Catch the audio wherever podcasts are found. Catch the video on Facebook and YouTube. On YouTube, hit that subscribe button and notification bell. You have all our episodes right there at your fingertips at social media. Find us at all the links down below. Questions and comments. Send them to the Pit Life BBQ Podcast at gmail.com. And like always, subscribe, like, rate, and review. Hit that share button. You two did pretty good. Yeah. Woo! Good job. We might have to have you on again. Maybe. You never know. You like it. I might be able to take a couple of days off here and there. Maybe. We'll see. Well, they got to mm-hmm. pass the test first. Maybe. Yeah, what's the outro line? Do they know? Oh, yeah. Oh. Till Til next, next week. week. Keep, Keep the smoke rolling. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.